go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Doctrines of Rad. I'm Logan. This is Drew. Uh, tonight's uh, verse of the today's verse of the uh, of the evening is for is Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We just studied that in our life group. Uh, in fact, my, right. my son pointed out a very interesting thing about that verse. is mm. the, the very first set of things that Paul mentions that cannot separate us from the love of God are all human-type things. Mm-hmm. And then the second set are all uh, like supernatural spiritual like type things yeah so i, I, I in depth things that we can't control yeah in my in my yeah so right and he's so he begins with i am convinced right and then it's you go through the things of this world right uh the, the life death angels demons present future you go through time any powers he basically gives a synopsis of the natural world everything that we know of everything that's been created by god and then you, you kind of associate that, that, and then he says right at the end, neither head, uh, height nor depth or anything else in all creation, anything he could possibly that he may have missed yep. will separate us from God, which I love to point out to people, not even you yourself can separate yourself from the love of God. Um, this is one of those reasons why I am a Calvinist, why I do believe in the doctrines of grace, why it is so uh, eye-opening, awe-provoking to uh, understand that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That brings up a good question. So how, do, how does someone that believes that and believes in the doctrine of election when it comes to um, the eternal security for people, how, do you, how does someone like explain the parable of the seeds and the sower with those, um, those roots that are those plants that grow, the seeds that grow, uh, but don't come to fruition. So what kind yes. of... Yeah. So I always ha- we have to bring it back on what what is exactly happening here. So Christ tells the disciples what he means, right? And we know that the soil is a reference to a regenerated person. That is the person who has been born again, right? So people will... You have cultural Christianity. You have people who will believe in Christ or be told or taught about Christ, nature, nurture... Um, it'll be involved in their everyday life, but without you being born again, without there being proper soil for that to grow, it won't, right? And then it gives description of things that the devil comes and takes the seed. Uh, the the world chokes out the belief because it's not true without you being born again, without you being in a soil that can accept the seed, you will not prosper. There will not be a moment for your uh faith to develop right regeneration has to precede faith um now many people don't agree with that so So what what kind of people would be the type that would uh grow in the soil but then be choked out what what would that look like oh i think he actually describes that in the verse right those that have he he gives a a little bit the 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 worries and the stressors of this world Mm uh actually begin to push back so a perfect example today is say you're somebody who has a community of people 
who believe in a particular worldview today that uh, basically pushes back and says, hey, this is hate speech. This isn't hate speech, right? And now you're, you know, you have conflicting beliefs, right? You have two worldviews. You have what God has said and what the Bible says, and then you have what your society is saying. And whichever one of those gets more pressure at the moment is the way that person's going to oftentimes uh, sway towards, right? So the world begins to say, hey, you believing this is hateful and wrong, and they get choked out, right? That is the, that is the belief that gets choked out. Well, maybe I don't believe this. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a woman who's a feminist. Uh, she used to be a Christian. Now she's an ex-evangelical or, or a deconstructionist, as she likes to call herself. Um, her belief was choked out by the idea that women are second-class citizens in the Bible. Mm. Right? So she, she, she has been a gender theory and um, everything else that she was, I guess, taught uh, began to really uh, persuade her against her belief in the Bible, right? Um, so she, she, her faith was choked out. Now, I don't believe it's true saving faith because you have to have the appropriate soil for that faith to uh, prosper. So would this be like when we hear these stories of people that make the proclamation like, you know, yeah, I professed Christ and I went to church and I was involved in these things or whatever. Um, and then you, you find, you know, now they're on TikTok deconstructing. Now they're, you know, talking about these these things that they used to believe or whatever in the church. Do you think that those could be examples ultimately of those types of seeds that they fell on soil, they start to grow? Um, but then those cares, the world things, the things that, you know, influence them or whatever, ultimately choke it out and it just never bears fruit. A thousand percent. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'll give a historical reference to this. Sorry, my wife is making the most noise during this live broadcast. We love you. It's okay. Um, make, make as much noise um, as you need to. Yeah, so so historically, George Whitfield did not believe in God, as he likes to describe, uh, the way he should. He uh, When he first – so let me back up. George Whitfield was going through seminary and was not born again, as he describes himself. Okay. Right? He and um, uh, he and others, I'm trying to think of the names at the moment, uh, John Wesley and Charles Wesley uh, basically started a Bible study, right? And as George Whitfield describes it, he was not born again. So he's becoming a minister, learning to be a minister, learning to shepherd a flock and does not actually have true saving faith gotcha. until eventually... Uh, I guess the, the words of the Bible illuminated before him and he knew that he must be born again. Um, so George Whitfield began to preach you know, the, the, the regeneration of the individual um, as, as a primary uh, like topic as he toured both England and the, and the colonies. Now, he was actually preaching against ministers that did not truly have saving faith, that did not have a moment that they could recognize as regeneration. Mm. Right? So that would be a perfect example of individuals who grow up in the church, grow up in ministry, grow up into it and find it to be a career 
and then at the end of the day don't actually have true saving faith right mm-hmm. they haven't born again the john john 3 chapter 3 is so significant it's why nicodemus looks at christ and says how can this be mm-hmm. right he first responds with satire what can a person go back into their mother's womb or what i suspect is satire um and obviously not the Christ looks at him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of both water and of the spirit, right. he will not have everlasting life, right? So it, it is critical that uh, that a person truly comes to know Christ um, and truly has saved faith in order to actually have that moment of being the soil that can accept the seed. And that's why the Reformation, the, the mantra was regeneration precedes faith. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't I've been listening to um, Michael Horton's book called um, For Calvinism. And uh, he's talking a lot about the regeneration uh, preceding faith. And, and I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it's one of those things that I think it's more of a, a deeper understanding of the process than you know, it's like I try to explain to people, it's like you don't have to understand that in order to be saved. And so, like, don't freak out if you don't understand what that means. Like, it's just it's just going more in depth in in into the the deeper things of God that people, you know, sometimes are driven to try to understand. Um, I know particularly I, I wrestled philosophically with things of, about things of God for a long time, you know, even before I became reformed and, and I, you know, I, I'll say that I'm a Calvinist, but I, you know, use that term very loosely because, yeah, for sure. uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I follow his institutes, nor have I read all of them, but I do agree with the tenets of the, the five points. So, um, but there's a lot of things that I'm kind of, if, you know, iffy on, and, and one of the things I'm willing to be wrong about is, is the idea that, that somebody could, you know, walk away from the faith because I, I think depending on, you know, I guess the situation, like, but the things that we've talked about with people that just that never takes root, they, they go to church for, you know, a decade mm-hmm. or so. And, um, they serve, they, you know, maybe trying to find a, a purpose in life, trying to be just a good person and, you know, finding fulfillment or whatever. Uh, and so they kind of walk through it and then they, they, they leave the faith, you know, later like that. I think for, for people that believe that you can lose your salvation, they may look at a situation like that and think, well, they once had it and now have lost mm-hmm. it because they've walked away from the faith. But we could probably point to the parable and say, look, like that's probably a person that is one of these seeds that never took, never came to fruition. Um, and so it's, when you talk about like, can you lose your salvation or walk away from your salvation? It's such a nuanced thing, unless you really define like some other basic things about the character of God. Um, But anyway, I I say that, I say that to say that, you know, I've been kind of like, now that I've been involved far more in, in ministry, not just in the youth ministry, but in teaching men, um, some theological differences have arisen. You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier on the phone. I love that, especially when you have laymen who have been at the church for, you know, 40 years and it's and like, hey, I been, have an opinion. 
they've been around the church then they've been following the senior pastor and right, you know, been involved right. in his ministry and so um i'm significantly younger than the population the majority population of our church i'm you know i would say our average age of church members is probably between 55 and 70 like the average of yeah we're starting to get younger folks but um, it is an older church. Our pa my pastor's 74, 75. Uh, he's been in, he's been a pastor for 50 years. Like he's a wonderful man of God and he's been pouring into me like, you know, no other. And I'm very grateful. But um, but yeah, it's been kind of a challenge coming in as the uh, the young guy. I, I'm, I'm kind of like a church hipster a little bit in their eyes. You know, I mean, I'm the only person with tattoos like on staff you're the you're the youth group for them and, and i don't have right and i don't have just one you know like so um it's a um it reminds me of in the movie the jesus revolution movie how the hippies were just not really accepted by most of the older folks so i haven't seen it was it good i liked it i know you know people have their opinions about the whole movement itself and stuff but like when you look at just the the spiritual momentum that took place at Calvary Chapel and the growth and and how all of these hippies that were essentially searching for something outside of themselves, not knowing where to yeah. look, um, you know, they're doing all of these drugs and having these, you know, sexual awakenings, but a, a, a large group of them found no satisfaction in that and were drawn into the church. And so there were people that came along and took advantage of those situations and, and built uh -huh. ministries off of, you know, uh, shaky sand. Um, you know, yeah. Lonnie Frisbee, who was a part of the of the movement, was a big part of the movement, was living a homosexual life, uh, died uh, of AIDS, you know, uh, was, you know, according to Greg Laurie, was repentant towards the end. Of course, only God knows. But I think instead of like, what I hear of a lot of people complaining is like, you know, um, trying to dismiss the movement or whatever because of the, you know, of the hearts of the, of some of the people involved. Um, I just, you know, it, it I, I have a hard time not looking at some of our heroes of the faith and, and how wretched and terrible they were as people and, and God still did stuff through them. Um, exactly. I think, yeah. I think of those failures and, you know, um, and really, when I, I told the congregation when I preached a couple weeks ago, I said, look, whether whatever you believe about the Jesus Revolution and that movement, um, our pastor and his wife both uh, came out of that movement and, and have been pastoring faithfully for over 50 years. So um, even if it was that movement and it just reached them, nice. you know, they're they're doing something that's significant and impacting us. So, um, you know. I try not to be too judgy of stuff like that. I think there are yeah. Don't be so rigid, right? Like, let's not be so rigid about it. There's grace yeah. enough for everybody. We we, we like, go through our eaves and ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, like I appreciated various aspects of the Asbury thing. I think that there were uh, the fact that on on a national news station like Fox and Tucker Carlson is is showing people worshiping Jesus. And, and, and people are seeing it and maybe seeing the worship of the Lord for the first time. Like, I think that's kind of beautiful and kind of cool that, you know, that that's happening. So who knows what the Lord is doing through that. But 
I know that there's gonna there were people that came in and tried to hijack that movement. You saw you saw that happening, and people on TikTok did the same thing to hijack, you know, for their own popularity. So that stuff happens. We shouldn't dismiss it. The whole thing just be like, nah, can't be. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I mean, once we start putting ourselves into a box, we start getting really rigid. This is Jesus. This isn't Jesus. Uh, there right. is issues now. Obviously, things that contradict the Word of God. Absolutely. Um, I think being a sensationist is. Uh, the wiser, more, um, at least more wiser. cautious, yeah. cautious, cautious. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, it's definitely the one with the, uh, um, uh, what's the word when you want to test everything? I am drawing a blank, man. Uh, well, um, I mean, discernment. discernment. I think it yeah, has the, it, the it teaches, it teaches the most discernment. Like, Hey, let's take a second back. Let her take a second. Let's step back. Let's look at this from all angles. Let's see what's actually going on here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, let's not let's not be so rigid that we say that God isn't doing anything, right? When John MacArthur right. says that, hey, that these Muslims in the Middle East that are seeing Jesus in dreams and stuff is not really happening. Well, you know, John, come on, man, you don't think he can do that? Yeah, I think that's so. gonna be a. He's gonna. I think he's gonna have to really. He's gonna live in that regret when he faces the Lord. I think. And there'll be a sadness, I think, as a purification, you know, before his glorification, you know, that's the judgment we will give account for all the words, everything that we say. I mean, that's, that's enough. That for, I mean, it should, right? Like that, that we will be judged for every word we have spoken. I know, man, like how, how much more thoughtful should we be? I mean, I think that's part of like lately I've been not really doing much on TikTok. I've even been deleting some comments that I thought I was going to make to, towards people. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I should say some of these things anymore. Mm. I'm trying to be really careful, you know, because I'm I'm speaking I'm speaking on on behalf of the church and the body of Christ, and I'm speaking to them to edify them. I, I have a, a high responsibility, and it's a little yeah. nerve wracking. You do right, and like we have to be, we have to be a representative we're ambassadors for christ we ambassadors, we're supposed yeah. to be a light to the world and um oftentimes we fail that and then deconstructionists and and the onlookers and atheists and the people who war against christianity um they see that and they go look now like christians won't even can agree on anything because we can't second we we constantly fight right for example yeah. The millennium is a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about, right? Yeah. Like, that, like, think about that, right? Um, yeah. I mean, and then how we treat each other. I had I had a gentleman today. I, I sold a roof to this guy. Um, you know, Mr. Woodard, if you're watching, hope you hope you enjoy this. But he's a Jehovah's Witness that, uh, um, or was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, and basically, he was talking about how he's been tra like trying different churches here in town, like I have, um, and people who just weren't like nobody came up to him, nobody came up to talk to him, and he was like, ah, "I don't want to be a part of this church. Obviously, there's something else going on here. There's something right uh, clicky about this place that I like. Uh, there is an expectation um, welcoming. for the church to to welcome people. Now, don't get me wrong; I truly believe that church is for believers, right? Not for seekers. I truly believe that is place for right, fellowship right. for people who believe and uh, that's a place for correction counsel fellowship worship um but at the same time 
we show the world as they enter into God's house, you know, who he truly is. And he's, yeah, they they're on holy ground. Man. This yeah. is how and we should see that for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. These are rituals. We like to drink blood and eat, eat flesh every Sunday. It's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've had to, I've had to be more purposeful too in, um, trying to meet people now that I've been part of the church. Like I, because I'm, I'm pretty introverted, man. That's the word I was looking for earlier, too. Like, I'm kind of introverted. Mm. So, um, What's that? It's, Is it lonely? It's, uh, no, because I get fulfilled, and it, it takes less to fill me up, and I'm able mm. to be alone and still feel filled. So, like, it, it Dude, I would pay you $100 of... to drive around with me and do work with me all day, <laughs> just so I have somebody next to me. <laughs> I, I mean, it would be nice to make 100 bucks a day, but... Uh, I would feel so exhausted after like a full day on the job with you. Thank you, Basan. Appreciate that. I get exhausted from social interaction. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's for real. Uh, mm. I, um, but anyway, I've been trying to be more purposeful. So like, you know, because people have seen me preach and um, they've now, you know, I preached three times at the church. Um, nice. And so I need to be, when I recognize or when I see new faces or I see people that have been coming that I haven't met or introduced myself to, I, I need to do that more. Like I feel, yeah. I'm feeling called to it. And this is the way that God has been changing me because I'm, that's not my character. Typically that's not my nature. Yeah. To do that. So, so he's, seeing, he's putting you in a place of where you're uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You're like, ah, yeah. I don't like being on stage. Yeah. You're already like, all right, man, like I, Lord, I already gave you that. Like, what more do you want? I want you to do all of it, Drew. Well, and it's weird because people think that just because I can, I can go and preach and stand before them, then I can be, you know, I can actually, you know, preach, preach, um, that, that I'm like that all the time. And I think that mm -hmm. there's a weird expectation that people that can preach are also very social butterflies. And that's really not, that's not my case. I'm, I'm really out of my comfort zone when I go to the church and have to like get involved in the extracurriculars. Yeah. Actually, I think you're in the majority when it comes to pastors being introverted, by the way, Priscilla just became a Calvinist. I just saw her. I saw her comment. She did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's a Calvinist now. Oh, there so, you go. Uh, good for you. She, under she understands the sovereignty Move of God. On out and, here. And come on now. Come on out. Come on now. Get it. Get out of that demon state. <laughs> Leave California, Babylon. The oh second. gosh, yeah. Seriously, get out of Cali. You can. You can have. A, you can have a huge house with what you pay for, <laughs> for rent in California. Your, your shack here, mansion here. Yeah. One million dollars for five square feet. <laughs> five dollars for a million square feet i don't know why we got so like middle eastern on that that's great yeah well you know the black rock they're buying up all the property anyway so <laughs> there will be no one will own homes in 20 years from now oh man but we're not gonna She's have a... we're not gonna have money anymore anymore anyway the, our money's going away homes are going away um nothing matters anymore uh there's i think we're just entering into a whole new era of life. I have no idea what it's going to be like. <laughs> she said, "She said she'll go chill with Kanye, Kanye in Wyoming. Give him a little deeper theology for me while you're at it." He hasn't been uh, since the whole uh, accusal of being anti-Semitic. He hasn't. Uh, he hasn't been on the scene. 
It's been a while, huh? They canceled. He's it. AI now. Yeah, he's just AI now. <laughs> I mean, basically, the AI is like, I mean, dude, if people didn't trust or believe things before about just the news and life and the world around, now that AI exists, it's like, there's, I don't believe anything. Like, you don't, you shouldn't even believe that Logan and I are real. We're, we're probably not real people. We are just AI uh, on the doctrines of rad. And uh, you'll, you'll find this glitches. Is... <laughs> Actually, you keep freezing on my end. So those are the glitches. There you His go. gospel album was kind of fire, though. Was I it like kind of fire? Music, dude, I'm not, I'm not a Kanye hater. I'm, I'm sorry if people, you know, think that all Christians need to hate Kanye now. I, I actually think, you know, he's, he's probably right about a lot of things. So I'm not going to, uh, he's disconnecting from the matrix as much as I think everybody else should when it comes to, you know, we are set apart from the world. Uh, mm. if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And it's like, man, you gotta, I, I really want to take that serious. Like the, the world and its functions. I mean, yes, I have to live here. I'll abide by the governmental system and all the other stuff, but man, uh, I'm over it politically i'm 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 over it i can't watch the news there's nothing i believe is true on the news anymore <laughs> there's like i don't know what's going on every day everybody's scared and there's chinese balloons flying over and we're That's under what cause all these tornadoes <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go to because russia and saudi arabia are making a pact now we're I'm just uh... like, I, I think i think like i'm just gonna live my life man I'm going to proclaim yeah. the gospel and love my neighbors. And I'm not going to worry about like what Saudi yeah, Arabia yeah, tell, is doing. Tell them what you told me. Tell them what you told me. Here I am in my flesh, like actually worried mm. that I'm going to get called back into service. And we're actually going to go to go to war yeah. because of the Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran joining the brick alignment. And the, 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 what is it? The Zen being the uh, currency used for oil. Right. And I'm like, well, that's a that's going to hurt the American dollar. And how do we normally fix that? America goes to war. And that's how we fix the American dollar. Yeah. Um, that, I Jimmy, mean, Jimmy, I was Dore, worried. Jimmy Dore was on um, Tucker Carlson. You should watch his clip. It came out a couple of days ago. He's a he's a Democrat, but he's an old school Democrat. You know, he's kind of a you know classical Democrat. Anyway, um he was talking about the fear mongering and all this war stuff. And he, he just makes the point. He's like, look, the world relies on the United States just as much as we, as the United States relies on China and Saudi Arabia and every other place. So the idea that America yeah. is going, going to be invaded um, is just as ridiculous as thinking that we are going to go invade China. Like it's just not going to happen. There's too much at play. We're at a we're at too much of a point where the money is intermixed and and there's too much too many ties and business deals. It's like we're already, you know, some some conspiracy theorists would say we are already the one world government. That these people that are in charge are just figureheads, and it doesn't really matter. That there is some sort of a conglomerate ultimately can kind of controlling the ebb and the flow of of what's going on in the market. So. War, right. war is profitable, and um, those war machines that are in D.C. will always be pushing that sort of thing. doesn't matter what color, <laughs> red or blue. Uh, war is profitable for all of them. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm just over it. And I think a lot of Christians and a lot of 
military guys that have had to go through any type of military in the last 20 years with the whole Afghanistan conflict, uh, we're, we're not going to stand for it anymore. Yeah. And we're not, That's it's, right. it, our service is over. My time is over. I gave my service. I, I, I submitted to my government and now it's done. So, uh, and I feel like no, everybody knows that we're not ready for war. And I don't think that any other country is ready for it either. We, we can't even recruit people. Like, do you see all of this Senate hearing and stuff going on about like the, uh, the Air Force leaked 11 names of Republicans that are in a high in the high chain of command uh, to some organization that used it to basically like try to bribe them and blackball them and like blackmail them and stuff like and that one of the four stars for the Air Force was was just getting questioned by counsel like this week and admitted that it happens and saying it shouldn't have but it did and it's just like they were talking about recruiting and why the recruiting numbers are so bad. Nobody is joining and all of the people that got kicked out are not coming back in. I right. mean, with being treated yeah. when, when refusing the vaccine and then, and then being treated like hot trash and being removed from service, they're not joining back there. You've lost them. Who do you have to fight? And so I think our attrition is terrible in the military in the United States. And I think all the other countries around the world have the same problem. They're, they're, you know, just because you have millions of people like China doesn't mean you have the means to go to war. People is not. Yeah. People that are destitute and don't even care for the country that they're in are not going to go fight for the country. The, some of them will, just like some Americans will. But, um, you know, you're. I I think most of the Chinese would would defect. I mean, it happened in the other wars. Yeah. They defect. They come back to. Uh, they 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 surrender in America. I don't want to be a part of this. Whatever. I mean, that's what happens when you have totalitarian regimes. None of those people are motivated in patriotism. They're they're afraid, afraid for their life. Mm-hmm. If they don't serve, they're going to be killed or jailed. Yeah. Any chance to run, they can. And I mean, but like to get down to the nitty gritty of it is like Priscilla said, God is sovereign. What's yep. going to happen is going to happen. And you have to accept it. And if something bad happens in in the process, any collateral damage, they got to deal with it. Um, but you're not going to be left alone to deal with it. And he works all things for the good of those who are called according to his will. So um, trust God's people, God. God's people have had to pro- be holy because he's holy in every kind mm. of socio-economic political situation. They have been they have been enslaved. They have been captive. They have been uh, they have been second class citizens, um, and uh, the it continues. So um, God is not. I mean, I don't think He's as concerned about the United States and its freedoms. He's concerned about the people of God worshiping Him, and uh, so if you if if we are if America does not end up being what it is that we know it today in 2023 um we are still called to worship god in whatever state the government is so whether it's socialist communist whatever we're called to glorify god and and enjoy him forever 
That's what I'm saying. Um, read for every, for all eleven people here. Read the God Smuggler. Um, it is it is uh, a wonderful book. Right? You get to see what life is like, um, where you where you're not allowed to worship, where you're not allowed to have scripture, and you get to watch. You know when will pass away from God's word. Um, and when there's countries where the Bible is being outlawed, God's people, the Holy Spirit puts it on them to memorize full yeah. pieces of scripture. And they just write it down every day and they pass it on. Not the a early single church word didn't have the Bible. Dr. Iota will pass away. It's still gruesome. <laughs> They didn't have the Bible. They had some letters. They didn't have the completion of it. It's still true. What, what do you say when people say, well, that's the telephone game? Um, yeah, if, if it was played in 2023, sure. But it's the, the we are not trained to, in our culture, mm. to um, interpret and to pass down stories orally. We, we are not really an oral culture anymore. So... Mm. Uh, the significance of telephone in today is very different than what it would have been like because they would have been trained and taught in their culture and heritage from a very, very young age. Uh, and so it would have been, it would have been embedded into the disciples and the apostles to have that in their nature uh, for the oral tradition and the importance of those things and of, of, of them also being accurate which is why ultimately they came together uh, later to write their gospels was to make sure that they had it. And on top of that, Luke did his due diligence to go and, and take eyewitness interviews yeah. of people that they had mentioned in the scripture yeah. so that he had an eyewitness account so um, that he could verify the things that the apostles and disciples had said were true. So yeah. um, they, that was ingrained in them. And we don't get that today. Like we can't even process that, you know, but just think of it like this, you know how that song that you listen to, you can always sing it perfectly in your head, even after listening to it like two or three times. Yep. That's the capacity of the human brain. And so when that, when that type of learning is, uh, muscle memory and reflex, it's very easy to keep solid, accurate information because that's how you depended on it. We live in an era where we don't even have to remember what our dinner looked like because we took a picture of it. We can look at it later. We don't store it in here anymore. We There's store no our memories on our phone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true, man. That's very true. Uh, Cody Wicks writes, I heard Israel's government wants to ban Christianity. Welcome to first century of Palestine, Palestine all over yeah. again. Yeah, that's it's okay. Banning. In banning it, it will grow more, and this perhaps will be a big thing for the Jewish people. So we have to have a relationship with God. We have have to abide in His presence here. Yeah, we absolutely do. That's praying without ceasing. You know, uh, everything that we do is worship, and in, in all that we do, do it to glorify the Lord. Like that's that's an act of worship. Um. And, uh, and that's hard. It's hard for us to do. We get very distracted. It's very easy. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've been doing is I've been deleting TikTok from my phone during the week, unless I'm doing this live. I've, cause it's very distracting for me. I, I'll get on TikTok and two hours later, I'm still on TikTok and I don't realize it. So 
uh, been taking it off my phone so that I'm more purposeful. So I actually pick up my books. I finally finished one of my books. I started a Oh, tell me about it. Okay, so The Battle for the Keys by... Battle for the Keys. Justin Bass uh, wrote it. Let me... I got it right here. I'll show you the cover of it. Okay. Y'all get this book. Get this Actually, y'all just read a book. Just read any book. Lazy Americans. The Battle for the Keys. I'm showing it on YouTube right now. Paternoster Bible Monographs. Um, It is... Uh, about Revelation 118 and Christ's descent into the underworld. And it takes the um, it takes a historically Jewish view on uh, the underworld and Hades and you know Sheol, Abraham's bosom, all of that. Um, it goes into a deep dive in explaining it and then it talks about the significance of the statement that that the keys to death and Hades were now possessed by Christ. And so, um, you know, whether you believe in the, the, the supernatural aspect of it, you know, of, of um, him actually battling with evil and, and demonic spirits, known, you know, personified, death and Hades personified. Um, the idea is that um, when a Jewish person or an early, um, uh, yeah, a Jewish person or a uh, kind of a historical person would have understood the concept of keys, um, the, the idea of keys was, um, you know, various gods in other religions were claimed to have had uh, held the keys to like life and death. And so there's this significance about the keys. And so when when it's proclaimed that Jesus now has the keys to death and hell, um, it is now he is his complete dominion over any any dominion of darkness. He now has has taken dominion over that so he now he now controls death death does not control because he defeated death and was the first first fruits of god firstborn of 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 us of our generation what what what's the face when was the first key made oh interesting maybe in in the garden yeah no i'm just i was like well like thinking of keys and associating them with gods or deities. Yeah. Like when was the first key ever made? Um, the earliest uh, key we know of, Theodorus of Sa- Samos uh, in the 6th century BC invented mm. the first key according to uh, Pliny the Elder. So, huh. Cool. Yeah, interesting. So That's an interesting thought Yeah. Yeah, because I was just like, well, when when did this uh, this reference to key lock and key um, begin? Right. Yeah. yeah. I had a I had a customer today tell me I was going to hell, very very oh. bluntly. Yeah, it was, he was really okay. sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah, hell, hell was he's well, he's he's an Eastern Orthodox guy that is. Uh, um. He's doing a lot of studying on his own. Um, he doesn't want, I guess, doesn't want church history to, or an eldership to to guide thought process, hmm. which is fine. Detach from everything and start start reading. Um, but, um, I mean, teach their own. I, I'd rather have like a committee of people helping me guide me. Right? I don't want to study under people. Um, yeah, 
It, he was what saying a, that what a hell, weird thing to going not to want hell to is just the ground. Hell is the grave. So. Hmm. So. Well, so in in this book, you know, a lot because there are people that that kind of uh, don't really believe in the descent of Jesus down into Hades, and um, so they would try to you know use the the verses and stuff um, that uh, talk about Hades and and they would liken it to the grave and say, no, it's just talking about being buried. It's not really talking about there being any type of underworld. Um, but uh, it is interesting. I mean, I know that there's a lot about the inner core of the earth that we as human beings don't know and science doesn't know. Um, and there's just in interesting um, inference to um, the middle of the earth and, and there being, you know, uh, the place of death and the place of waiting under the earth. And it seems that it was at least, uh, it was least believed in the Jewish religion that there was a hell, uh, and mm. a, place, a waiting place, um, which I think the Catholics really would call purgatory. I think they just misunderstand the, the idea, but, uh, so the book He's itself is believing something similar. Yeah, so the idea of the dissensus is that Jesus really, in his three days between uh, being on the cross and being uh, resurrected, uh, went down into Hades and uh, took dominion uh, of of the keys to death and Hades, uh, took them from whatever angelic being was uh, responsible for those, I guess, you know, like the cherubim that guard the, the garden or whatever, whatever being had that. Uh, he, he took dominion of, of those keys and led, it says that he led the, the captives from captivity or something along those lines. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, that, that, so if, I guess that removes the space for somebody to believe in hell being this outer darkness, total separation from everything. Right. right. It's not just like floating out there that it is, it is yeah, a location. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think the Hebrews believed it was a location. I think uh, a lot of scholars today believe that hell is a location, that it's not just a, a physical or a, a spiritual place, that it's actually, you know, it is found somewhere between, you know, the core of the earth and heaven itself somewhere. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and, you know, the idea and things that I've been reading, and I've, I've been pretty convinced, I, I believe that the souls prior to Jesus, uh, his resurrection, um, they were all in uh, in a place in the underworld, um, separated by a great chasm. Uh, there were those that were wicked in, in one part, and there were those that were um, righteous in the other. And that when Jesus, uh, in between uh, his death and resurrection, went and proclaimed what he had done to the forces of darkness and led those that were righteous to be with him, to be in his presence. Uh, and that included whatever resurrection of bodies that were in Jerusalem at the time that apparently had appeared and were walking around. Uh, people that had died were seen alive. So uh, the idea is that they were they were rescued and, and led to be with the Lord. Yeah. Which gives you know, plenty of, of reference back to the uh, parable or, or well, most people don't consider a parable of the rich man and Lazarus, right? Um, so, I don't know, man. So, I I really enjoy the the soul sleep aspect of things, right? Um, I don't know 
how how to harmonize all of that. But yeah. what do you? So how do you harmonize a fiery pit like Gehenna? Like Christ refers to it as similar to Gehenna, where the the worm never sleeps. Right. right? The worm never dies. Yeah, yeah. The worm never dies. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then thrown into a pit of darkness. So obviously there can't be fire there because fire would produce some kind of light. Um, yeah, unless the darkness is just represented representative of no light from the Lord. Hmm. You know, but I, I do think, I mean, from what I've been reading, it does seem that that God is still present in in this uh, separation in some way. Like His wrath, be His wrath being continual is the presence of the Lord uh, in that place. So it's not a complete abandonment. Yeah. Annihilationist likes to say, well, you know, it's just complete abandonment and, you know, just cease, ceasing to exist. Um, as much as I, you know, think annihilation would be merciful from the Lord. I, I just, you know, it, it there, there are a couple verses where Jesus specifically is referencing eternal life and eternal punishment. And so, yeah can't get around the Lord's own words when he uses the two to compare eternal life and eternal punishment. So there is an eternality about both. And I, th I think Jesus is very purposeful in his words. And so until that could be explained away, which I don't think it can, I can't get behind the annihilationist idea. I think they just don't take that into consideration. I think they, they so Jehovah's Witness believe in annihilation, right? So I think they they take the concept of uh, uh, eternal life is granted given to believers, right? And so the opposite of that is non-existence, annihilation. Yeah. You don't get eternal life. Yeah. Um, that'd be a good deep dive. Uh, Priscilla says, "I think uh, uh, I really think it is a state of consciousness." I so I so for me, God is omnitemporal. That is a character character attribute right that is omnipresent excuse me and omnitemporal so he's omnipresent right that is a that that's within his character he is everywhere heaven earth hell are all created places spaces right. in time right. in place he cannot not be there that would be outside of his community incommunicable attribute that he that he has that as a character trait of his that he is everywhere um so i can't think of it i no longer think of it as being separated from the lord now however i think god is here right now with me as he is with you right at the exact same time and he's in all things at all times um, right. in all places at all times but there's there's a separation here right like he's not fully here or like the the natural world would not make sense right right like he holds back portions of himself yeah, he has a he has um, a dwelling place i mean it's it's clear that right. there is a separation and so i think there is and this is speculation i'm saying i think a lot because this is just logan right but i i i think it's a switch right so here we're here on in the natural world we're receiving grace and that's what sustains you he gives you life every day he he brings the rain on the just and the unjust right um so there, there's a grace that is sustaining creation and it's just a flip of that in hell that he's he's no longer sustaining creation but he's actually punishing creation yeah. 
on the back end, right? So he's he's actively involved um, in in the punishment of right. sinners. Now, I don't think he's like like the the old like uh, Dante's Inferno. There's a demon with a pitchfork, and God saying, "Hey, go stab right. that guy with a pitchfork." I think it's just him being there, and the veil not being between the the dead sinner and himself is torment to somebody who is filled with their well, yeah, sin. Yeah, look, they couldn't even look at they couldn't even look at um, Moses's face because of the glory of the Lord. Like he had to veil his right. own face. So that's a. I think that's a great explanation of what hell it, would and it's could just like be a like. Passive, it's a passive punishment. He's just there fully revealing himself to like there's a portion and every of the weight of every sin ever sin, ever every word committed every is being felt upon the yeah. the sinner yeah i and, mean and the, the I true that, weight of it because when jesus says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth right and that gnashing of teeth is that like hebrew uh it's it's jewish euphemism for it's like how could you yeah. put me here right in your pride yeah. and your own pride begins to torment you yeah. because even though you shake your fist at the lord he is right he is holy he is good and then those that are weeping i missed it i missed it i missed it i missed it yeah um, yeah man so i think <laughs> i just hate when deconstructionists make make the the beauty of god's love grace mercy and and then um they kind of contrast that with his wrath just mm -hmm. nature and that these two things can't exist in one being i was listening to some hindus uh like talk on tiktok there's like a i guess i was on hindu talk for some reason i didn't know that was a thing but it's a thing yeah, um I guess so. get good for them right um and I'm listening. They're like our deities, unlike the Christian God. Our deities don't care uh, whether you know we want to be like them or, or know right. about them or right. have power like them. They don't care about that. They're not jealous like the Christian God. And and I, I really wish I could have got in on this live and been like, you, there, there's a reason we teach that because the greatest blessing, good and um, because they're demons that's ultimately it yeah because <laughs> <laughs> they're demons <laughs> um no but the greatest thing god can ever do for us is give him himself right and he should be jealous for us to be for him because if we want anything other than him we're hurting ourselves um yeah use scripture even the little there gives us perspective plus observable universe sure um but yeah, man. I mean, we uh, ultimately we have to speculate about the afterlife um, to an extent. I don't know what heaven yeah. looks like. I know it's a, a joining of heaven and earth, but um, yeah. do I have a job? I hope I have a job. I Like my biggest, my greatest hope is that it's going to be greater than even the greatest thing I can think of. <laughs> so it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like even if I think what I think is would be cool, I know it's going to be even a thousand million billion times better you know what i mean so that that's that's what's exciting because uh i'm ready for this i'm ready for this body to be glorified man i'm ready for this <laughs> my knees my plantar fasciitis does john uh does matthew 12 43 45 apply to us what does it mean please and thank you matthew. let's pull that up 
recording is ready. I'm getting old, uh, Drew. Yeah. Yes. We we both are. Um. All right. Here we go. I've got okay. it. There we go. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it founds, finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Um, and then you asked, so the person asked, is it, does it apply to us? Um, I think the, not as, not if you're a believer in Christ, this doesn't apply to you. Um, and it, I guess you have to be specific about like, what part do you think? Yeah. Ellie, if you can give me a little bit more on that. Um, yeah. so remember there's only one interpretation of scripture that is correct. What the author meant to say is what he means not what the reader takes from it um, but there are hundreds of applications from this right wicked generation right is he referring to uh the wicked generation that he talks about in the last days um i have not studied matthew 12 in a while um but it shows that it, if if you are in a state of wickedness being relieved of that demonic presence and then not filling it with something else, right? Not having the Holy Spirit come back in right. uh, and, and, and rescue that dead sinner um, and regenerate them to life, then it's going to be seven times worse uh, the next time, right? Um, so it has, it has plenty of applications. Uh, if we fall back into sin, do more demons enter us? I'm going to hear Logan who's cutting no. out a lot, sorry. So I know... What she's what she's referring to. First of all, sister, if you are not if you are in Christ, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, no other spirit can occupy you. That's right. It, it's not possible. Your um, spirit, his spirit. That's it. That's so, it. Um, now, this no may apply to people that can be uh, possessed and oppressed outside of being in the body of Christ. Um, it's possible. And I think what the, the point that Logan is making right now is that um, people try to fill, they try to clean up their house with maybe trying to do acts, acts of righteousness, trying to, mm -hmm. to do things that are considered right, but they're not filling it with anything, with namely the Holy Spirit. So they're trying to do it by works. And so when these, when these, spirits go out and they come back and they're like, Oh, this house is just cleaned up more room for us. Um, and, and what I want you to, uh, Jesus's own words in Mark three twenty seven. but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed Who's he may plunder man? his house. Who's if Jesus Christ man? is your strong man, there, no, no one can overpower. No demon, no, no force, no principality can overpower oh, that strong man. So, right. uh, Jesus's own words. So, uh, I hope that helps to answer your question. You could be op so oppression is an external thing, 
if you were to read C.S. Lewis's uh, book, The Screwtape Letters, it's a kind of a cool dialogue between an older demon and a younger demon. You read demon. The Screwtape Letters? And, uh, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I'm so proud and, of you. Um, and I made it mandatory for my kids in homeschool, too. Um, nice. So it's these these conversations between demons about how they are working on the people that they are messing with. That is yeah. more of an idea of oppression when it comes to these external influences, uh, maybe intrusive thoughts sometimes. Uh, it could be a temptation. It could be something coming your way that you're, you know, you know that you shouldn't do. And all of a sudden it's presented itself before you. Like, I think that can be demonic oppression. And I think God allows that to happen just like in, in, Job, we see an exchange of of permission being asked to go oppress someone. We see Satan doing that, and God gives him permission to mess with Job to oppress him. So, um, but when it comes to the Spirit of God living in you, the 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 Lord Jesus is the strong man. No one can plunder over the strong man because no one can overpower him. Uh, and so, um, what's the difference between outer oppression and inner oppression? I don't. I think. I'm not sure. Like, I think they kind of coincide. I think the out external oppression can be felt in our subconscious. Like when, when, a, when a negative thought or a hateful thought or a murderous thought or a lustful thought comes in, we have an obligation to surrender that thought to Christ. So the oppression okay. comes from the outside from, it could be from a demonic force or some sort of worldly influence or whatever, but it comes in and invades our flesh. Now it becomes an internal kind of oppression. Uh, but, we, as James tells us what to do, you know, it's like with, with sin, if we cut it at its root, then it doesn't have a chance to give birth and to become death ultimately. So we have those options to surrender to the Lord, repent, uh, and, and, uh, pray for help and strength. I mean, there's different forms of oppression, right? You have oppression in the sense of actually being oppressed. Um, and then you have oppression where, uh, the, just, uh, the pressure of things being put upon you. Um, so uh, oppression is temptation, right? And it, that both is an external and internal, right? You can have external temptations. You can have internal temptations, right? Um, yeah. And I think the uh, for most people, it begins at the external level and then begins to dwell internally. Um, however, uh, there, ooh, I don't know if I've ever thought of have I ever had an internal oppression that wasn't triggered or temptation that wasn't triggered by something from the outside? Mm, I have with lust. That was, I, that would still be external though, right? Something triggered that for that day. Well, honestly, dude, sometimes like I, I may have a, a moment with like first thing in the morning, that's a weird thought. And it's like, wait no, a second. That's a good that's, point. So yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it could be a, maybe a dream triggered it. I mean, I'd give you mm. that, but. That, um, that, so I guess that would be internal. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like the devil tries to get at me a lot. I feel well, like, especially as a youth pastor, he tries to like, he's the accuser of the brethren, right? He gets you to try to, he wants you to feel condemned. I think yeah, that he does I, his job. So yeah, your internal. And I don't know why I didn't think about this. Your internal uh, temptations and oppression would be your flesh itself. That's right? for sure. Your flesh, I mean, the flesh, your flesh is, is warring against the spirit. Yeah. External is what is uh, enticing your flesh. That's good. So I like that. Yeah, that, I, like I that. like that a lot. That let's, clears let's, it up. let's note that. Let's put that. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Let's Thank put that you, on Lord. The short. <laughs> yeah. 
but um, but uh, Priscilla, I, I don't know what you're asking here. I really want to touch base on this real quick. You said, if God is love, dot, 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 the spiritual source of love, correct, there has to be a source for sinful mindsets, et cetera. So you're saying that out, so because God is the source of love, there's a source of wickedness somewhere that is providing it. Um, and I would say that source is our flesh. The moment we fell, it wasn't just man, but it was all of creation that fell. Um, and with that, we are constantly enticed and tempted by our flesh. For example, yep. hunger, sleep. Those are things your body has to do, right? Um, if, without being, um, I guess, derogatory in any way, but sexual desires are something that you have to relieve Right, those are a part of the flesh. Those are things that um, we we naturally do. Um, so those, I would say, that is the source of sinfulness: is the flesh. Um, yeah. And one day we will be separated from uh, the the brokenness of the flesh, and it will be glorified. Yep. Yeah, because the part of the suffering, part of the suffering, I think that Paul is referring to when he says in Romans that we we're going to suffer along with Christ. I think part of that suffering is the suffering between what the flesh wants to do and what our spirit uh, and our internal call is telling us to do. So um, mm. the flesh really is, I mean, it, it really is our, it's our dementor or tormentor while we're on this earth um, mm. because it's so drawn to, to doing everything else except for what the Lord says it should do. Um, and then this question you asked, uh, you said, so you, you don't believe if someone doesn't surrender to the Lord and heart hardened, they can't be. Um, I, I maybe I, I don't know if you're referring to what I was saying about being possessed. Um, if somebody is not surrendered to the Lord, for sure they can be, I think, possessed. Uh, you, know, you still believe in, you believe in modern day possession? Um, no, I'm very skeptical of modern day stuff. I, I kind of think that the demonic stuff that happened was an end of a chapter of demons that were allowed to operate on the earth prior to Christ coming. Yeah. I, I think that what I we see know. the demonic, I mean, I do think that I, I still do think that there are demons out there and that still mess with us. So I wouldn't be so bold to say is like, no, they don't possess anymore. Perhaps they do far more than we know, but we're so scientifically minded that we don't we don't think of the spiritual anymore. So what it could present itself in a way that we would just say it's just a crazy person when in reality, maybe it is a possession. Like I've seen people yelling and screaming that are crazy, that are saying all kinds of stuff and seem to be tormented by like other demons as well. So like homeless people specifically, like we kind of dismiss them as maybe they were on drugs or they have a mental health issue. But no, like. I think some of those people could be demon possessed, man. Yeah. It, it follows with what Jesus walked in on when, when traveling around, he'd find these, these people living in graveyards and stuff and being demon possessed and all crazy. Yeah. Dude, I've been yelled at, like as a Christian, I've been yelled at by homeless people about Jesus. And I don't, I'm not even having conversations with the people about Jesus. So like at a minimum, it's coincidental. Love the news, boys. I'm I'm praying for you, sis. That's hard to. I know that can't be easy. She's diagnosed schizophrenic. And see, and mental mental health is not always demonic either. I would never take that. I would never take that side because I've been treated 
uh, poorly just for having some depression and anxiety uh, as a Christian. People demonize that. And so I would not like, I have, sister, I'm sorry that that's something that you're going through. Um, yeah. But, you know, that is a real thing. And uh, I know that there can be medicine that can help. And God can also heal that, too. So that's right. So, from yeah, from the sensationist myself, that's why he can heal that. Right. Um, so Priscilla says, I feel like a lot of early Christians don't uh, always surrender. So I think you mean baby Christians are like young in their faith. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like people um, it's a, so I've seen meth addicts who the moment they are saved, boom, it is gone. They don't have a desire for it. They, that the temptation is gone. God has literally ripped that from their life. Um, and I've also seen addicts who, uh, to this day, still crave it, and they choose to fight it um, because of the love of the Lord that they have. So, um, but I think God uses both of those uh, types of of sanctification, uh, depending on the individual, right? Depending on what He wants for them. One of them, He knows that He needs to get rid of it immediately and move that person's ministry in a, t- a particular direction. The other, he wants that person to struggle with it for his growth, uh, strengthening uh, process of of potentially leaning more and more on him every single day, more than the bottle, the needle, the, yeah. the uh, rolled up piece of herb, whatever it may be. I don't, I don't know what people do. The, 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 the sugar looking, the white stuff. I feel like that's always always a good time. (laughs) It was in the 80s, apparently. Glad I was a baby then. I I mean, I don't know. My parents could have given me cocaine, I suppose, as a child. But he didn't. So remember, he didn't tell us to cast out demons. He told a particular group of people to cast out demons. We naturally apply stories of the Bible to us because of application, right? Our process of application. Um, But. I don't know. Like I, I've seen some stuff in my life where I'm like, yeah, that's a demon. Right. I mean, I, I, I rebuke, I rebuke the devil, man. A lot of the times, like when, and I'll get some kind of intrusive, nasty thoughts and I'll, I'll just rebuke the devil, man, resist him and he shall flee, you know? So yeah, I just kind of like, right. I'll, I'll say stuff like Satan. I rebuke I, you. Cause I got a strong man. I got a strong yeah. man. That's right. Everybody hates your internet. I know, guys. I'm switching to AT&T. We had a tornado. We went four days without any kind of service. Tornado took his Wi-Fi. It re- it really did. It took the. T- it didn't just take the tower. It turned it into a circle. It bent it all up. But we're getting five G soon. We get five G because Verizon them- like <laughs> they put it on their insurance. So five of them G's. Hopefully- he'll he'll get fiber. He'll get fiber in 15 years from now. Apparently, he's get he's fiber, not. Bro. He's not modern. That tornado was a demon, <laughs> right? All right, man. I think we're at an hour, so I think let's uh, go ahead and share the gospel. You want to do it? You want me to do it? Uh, yeah, go for it, brother. If you don't mind. All right. Did I do the Romans Road already before? I mean, it's just the easiest way to remember it, um, to be practical in Scripture. Romans 3.23 tells us that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, that is our state. Uh, I believe that is true. I believe that is historically true. I believe that is spiritually true. Uh, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, Bible tells us in Romans 
623, I believe, is the next one. Okay, second. Um, so we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So there is a price to be paid for our sin, our rebellion against God. Uh, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So there is a there is a an opposite. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the counter to that, is oh, eternal life yes. in Jesus Christ. And so uh, Romans 5.8, or 5, yeah, I think it's 5.8, tells us, while God demonstrates his love for us, and this is good to remember, guys, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember what that wage was for sin? While we were sinners, Christ paid the wage for our sin. Uh, and that's according to Romans 5.8. And then the, the final one uh, of Romans Road is Romans 10.9. And it says, so here's your call to action. If you hear those words and you believe those words, uh, if they make sense and that sounds like the truth to you, then your call to action is if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. That's the gospel. That's the okay. simplicity of the gospel. You don't have to remember a great speech. You can tell you you can pull out your Bible that's in your phone in your pocket and show your friends, hey, this is what it says in these four verses in the book of Romans. Romans mm. 323, Romans 623, Romans 58, and then Romans 109. So awesome. four verses. Uh, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not might be, could be, should be, you will be saved. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus yep if i had to have one book of the bible it would be romans if i could never have a book i need to probably just memorize the book of romans that that may be my book of eli moment um yeah. maybe i should start to do that because i could if i can memorize romans i'll have i'll have the whole bible at my disposal <laughs> yeah. so many points of reference yeah all right all right fellas well Fellas and ladies, mostly seems like ladies. Thank you, ladies. Um, thank you, ladies. Thank you guys for joining it. us tonight. Um, it's been a wonderful night. It's nice to be back with episode 33. Uh, we'll try to do it in two weeks from now. We're doing it every other week now, so two weeks from now. But you'll catch most of us on TikTok or other places. Uh, and God bless. Love you. Peace. See you. Chicken feasts. <laughs>